25 bucks or five pounds. It was like the first bulk protein that I ever saw. And I think was on the market. Yeah. And he absolutely crushed it. And here's the funny thing. It tasted like sawdust. Like I'm not, <laughs> and it mixed even worse than sawdust would, it mix, yeah. would mix if you ever try to mix sawdust. What if I told you that listening to and acting on the topics discussed in this podcast could help you live a longer and healthier life? Would you be interested? Because let's be honest, if you're a human being listening to this show, chances are you want to live as long as possible. And while the anti-aging realm is this huge market, it's also one that's riddled with bad actors and misinformation. That's why I wanted my guy, Joel Jamison, to come on the podcast and talk about this very topic. Not only has Joel redefined how we think about and approach conditioning, but he's also one of the absolute best in the world when it comes to merging science and technology with training and nutrition. Now, if you're a regular to the show, welcome back. As always, love and appreciate you. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Mike Robertson, and this is the Physical Preparation Podcast. In this show, we take deep dives into the art and science of coaching, cueing, program design, business, and personal development. Basically, anything to help you become a better trainer, coach, or rehab professional. Longevity, anti-aging, metabolic health, these are all things that have fascinated me for years. So when Joel said he was diving into this area and wanted to jump on a podcast and talk more about it, I was absolutely all ears. In this episode, we start by talking about metabolic optimization, including what most people think of when they hear the word metabolism and why Joel has a more well-rounded and diverse definition. We talk about mitochondria, why they're critically important for your health, the numerous roles they play, and how to develop not only more mitochondria, but higher quality ones as well. From there, we dive into the brass tacks and discuss how you can actually make an impact with all this information. We talk about the tests you have access to, including both free and paid options, and then how to make impactful changes with your training, nutrition, and supplementation to optimize your metabolism and help you live a longer, healthier life. Needless to say, this is a fascinating show, and I really think you're going to love it. Before we jump into this episode, though, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, what's new in my neck of the woods, because... This is a condensed week, a lot going on. Thursday, I actually leave for West Hartford, Connecticut for my Complete Coach Seminar. Couldn't be more excited about this. We got a great group. They're excited. They are fired up to come and attend, and I'm fired up to go because, man, I just love doing live events. I don't mind doing stuff online. I don't mind doing Zoom calls and all that, but there is nothing like going somewhere or going into a gym and working with a small group of professionals that are passionate and excited to get better. So definitely fired up for that this weekend. Last weekend was a long one as well. Kendall had her basically end of the fall soccer tournament. They played pretty darn well. You know, they won one, they tied two. If they would have tied the second, or excuse me, if they would have won their last game on Sunday, they would have got to play in the championship or the final. Just couldn't muster a goal, but man, the second game of the weekend, they won 7-0, and not only did the team play great, but it was probably the best game I've ever seen Kendall play. She banged three goals 
in one game. Now, before you think she's just like this prolific goal scorer and she's banging like one or two every weekend, I want you to know she's probably scored three or four in her entire career (laughs) up to this point. But man, she's kind of gotten on a roll here. She scored one the weekend before. She got three or a hat trick in one game and they were nice goals. These weren't like lucky, you know, like poked it in or it went off her kneecap. These were like really nice finishes. So excited for her. It's fun to watch her grow and develop and she's gotten better each and every week. Most importantly, the thing I always talk about with her is effort. She's been putting forth such a great effort. She's working hard. So it's good to see that hard work get rewarded on the field. So definitely excited for her. Things back off a little bit here. I'm actually going to do a speed camp with her, really like a speed, strength, and an agility camp for some of her former teammates and her. So I'm excited to do that over the next couple weeks. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, the force plate work is coming along. I've got kind of my algorithm and my testing matrix lined up. Now I'm putting it to the test. I'm having some of my really top tier sports science guys go through it. I got Daniel Martinez taking a look at it, Adam Virgil, who was with the LA Clippers. I got some of these guys in the trenches with me, giving me feedback, letting me know what they like, what they don't like. And then really it's go time. Start putting people through this and seeing what we find. So I'm excited about that. And then yeah, great Halloween. Uh, If you've got kids at any age, hopefully they still enjoy Halloween. My kids are getting a little bit older now at nine and 11. Uh, They probably don't need me to go out and walk around with them, but they humor me. Uh, I got to walk around with Kendall and her friends, and they had an absolute blast. So, you know, everything has been really good here. I hope you can say the same. We're going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to jump into this awesome episode with Joel Jameson. It seems like every day I talk to a young trainer or coach who is frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if that sounds anything like you, I've got something that I know will help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you, who are serious about the results they get and who know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is gonna take the last 20 years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In it, you'll learn how to use the R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. How to create the culture, environment, and relationships with everyone you train so you can get the absolute best results. And the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym from squatting and deadlifting to pressing and pulling and everything in between. Of course, there's a ton more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the cert is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the certification will only open twice per year for a limited time only. To get on the insider's list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. Again, completecoachcertification.com and then stay tuned for emails in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for your support, and I hope you'll pick up a copy of the Complete Coach Certification when it launches. Joel, man, great to have you back on the show, my guy. I'm pretty sure this definitely puts you in the pole position of most physical prep podcasts as a guest, so congrats. I like that. that. I like that. I'm setting setting records as we go. I appreciate you having me on for the 10th or... (laughs) 
however many time we've been on this thing. It's been a few, man. But for yeah. anybody that's been like living under a rock for the last like 20 years, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm kind of your typical strength coach, uh, except for that I was introduced to mixed martial arts a long time ago, back in the early 2000s. And that set my career in a very interesting, different direction because I had to learn the, the conditioning side of, of strength and conditioning. And it was something I didn't know a whole lot about, to be honest with you. It wasn't wasn't my passion. I was really into lifting weights and getting big and strong like everybody else back then. But I realized that to help these, these combat athletes and fighters prepare for their fights, and I quickly figured out that just making them stronger really wasn't helping them a whole lot because I was getting my ass kicked and I was way stronger than them. <laughs> so I went, went down this, this whole pathway of understanding metabolic conditioning, how it relates to you know sport performance, longevity, kind of the whole nine yards. And then the other thing that happened to me early in my career was I also introduced to, to HRV or heart rate variability, which really shaped how I viewed people's training and recovery and lifestyle and everything else, because it gave me an insight glimpse into how those were all being tied together. So, you know, for the last 20 or so years, I've, I've worked on both of those pieces, understanding the lifestyle, the recovery, heart rate variability, uh, along with metabolic conditioning, whether someone's goal was, like I said, performance or, or longevity or, some combination and uh, created an online site back in 2009, wrote Ultimate Emmy Conditioning, my first book around then. And, and since then, I've worked with a variety of big teams, organizations, Lifetime Fitness, uh, Gold Gym, a bunch of different sports teams around the world, military groups, kind of your you know, whole nine yards of, of anyone, everyone that wants to know more about metabolic conditioning over the years. So um, that's kind of the short story. I love it, man. And for those people that are familiar with you, like get us up to speed, man. What's new? What have you been working on? Yeah, well, I'm, we're going to something big. I'm really excited about it. Uh, you and I, are, we've been talking about it a bit here, and it's called Precision Metabolics. And it's, it's a long time coming. I've, I've kind of avoided getting into the nutrition or supplement space uh, up until now for a bunch of reasons. Um, the, the first of which is it's really hard to do something different and something that's really unique and valuable to people they can't find elsewhere in a lot of ways. Um, and the supplement game is something I've always been interested in tremendously. When I was back in college, actually in 90, what was that? 97, uh, a long time ago. It was my first <laughs> job, actually. I worked at a supplement store in Seattle called Pro Body Discount Nutrition. And I've always been fascinated with supplements, probably because I like shortcuts. So I'm impatient. <laughs> I wanted to figure out, right? Like, how do I speed things up just a little bit? If I can just speed things up a little bit by spending a little bit of extra money and taking some capsule or powder game, you know, game on I'm in. So I've always been interested in them. Um, and then when I started training the combat athletes, I mentioned, I, I partnered up with a pharmacist actually out of Canada and he was a genius at taking people's lab work. And we're talking about high end world, world champion level fighters here. He would do a bunch of lab testing. Um, and then he would, basically write out a big supplement list with different brands, different dosages and capsule amounts and powders. And he would create this really, really elaborate um, personalized recommendation list, basically of, of various supplements. And for the people that took it seriously and, and went through the whole process, it worked phenomenally well. I mean, we're talking massive changes in things and things and people that were already at a very high level. The, the unfortunate thing is it was impractical and most people didn't want to have to order you know, five to 12 different supplements and take two caps of this and three caps of this and one caps of this, and then get this powder. It was just really, really impractical for the vast majority of people, but it was, it was a, it was a vastly superior model than the way people, you know, take supplements today. And so I've always kind of had that idea in the back of my mind, maybe there's a way to do this better. 
And it wasn't until fairly recently that I partnered up with a manufacturer who can do small batch one-off runs that it became possible to do exactly that, but much better. So kind of cutting straight to the chase. Yeah, precision metabolic, we're going to take people's blood work and their lab testing. We're going to look at how their metabolisms function on multiple levels. And then we're going to custom formulate a supplement that's exactly for them. The dosages of the ingredients they need, where the manufacturers NSF certified, it's extremely high quality manufacturers. So what we say is in the label is going to be in the label and they're going to get a supplement that's going to eliminate the need to have to order 10 different products. They're going to get just one, I call one, one supplement to rule them all type of thing. Uh, but they're going to get one custom formulated, custom manufactured supplement to optimize their metab metabolic function and drive them towards whatever that means for them, whether that's, you know, living just longer, healthier life, or that's trying to up their game and performance at the highest levels of sport. Really the, the connecting piece is metabolic function. And so I'm excited. It's got a huge amount of potential to, to help people. I'm, I'm sorry to use it myself, of course, and I've already seen it benefits. The people we've started on our beta testing are all noticing it and love it. It's, it's going to be awesome. So I'm excited about it. I love it, man. So let's go back a couple steps here because if people don't know, you and I talk pretty regularly. You're like one of the only people I actually talk to on the phone because I, I hate talking <laughs> on the phone, but I actually really enjoy talking to you because you're always into something. And yeah, the, the right. last the last call we had, I think we talked for about 20 minutes about mitochondria and you were yeah. giving me like this overview of mitochondria. So for starters, what got you so caught up in this whole like mitochondrial function rabbit hole? Yeah, you know, honestly, it just was going down the rabbit hole of metabolic optimization. And, and that starts with metabolism, right? So what is metabolism is kind of the first question. And the way that, you know, people traditionally think about metabolism is, oh, it's just, you know, it's how many calories I burn in a day, right? It's it's yep. it's just something that, you know, powers my body and, and I burn calories. And the more calories I can burn every day, the better is kind of the general thought, right? It's always about, oh, I burn more calories today, or I, I burn more calories in this workout. And, and the underlying assumption is, well, that's a good thing. But you know, when you step back a little bit and you look at what is really metabolism, it's, it's a bigger picture uh, than that. It's it's more just burning calories. It's really the entire process of taking the foods that you eat and turning them into you. And that's a big process. That That is two big pathways of what we call catabolism, taking the foods down or taking the foods in and digesting and breaking them down into into the core nutrients energy, and then using that energy to create proteins and create new cellular structures and turnover cells. And uh, really everything in that process could be considered metabolism. So there's endless ways we can optimize that and improve it. And the more I started digging into this, you know, months ago, as I was, I was doing all the research on precision metabolics, the more the mitochondria became the central player. Now, obviously metabolism is hugely complex and there's, there's, lots and lots of things we could talk about and i'm still digging into on a daily basis but mitochondria again kind of surface level you think of them as the place where energy gets made it's like the power plant the cell we've all been told that i don't care yeah. what what level of biology you're talking about like you heard mitochondria you heard oh it's a powerhouse of cell and that's kind of all and so you just kind of think of it as this mindless little factory that's pumping out energy in the form of atp and while yes it does produce the vast majority of the atp there's so much more to it than that. And I started digging in. I'm like, first of all, you can see mitochondria move within a cell, which is super fascinating. Mm -hmm. Second of all, they, they aren't like these little, uh, you know, bean shaped things in muscle cells. They take different shapes in, in every cell they're in. And then they fuse and they form these like grid type networks throughout tissues and muscles as you train and as they adapt. 
And then I kind of started going down the backstory of like, where did mitochondria come from? And that's where you basically figure out it's the origin of life. I mean, there was, there was a cell that was only anaerobic, you know, 2 billion years ago. And then there was this little protobacteria uh, that could actually use oxygen and the atmosphere was becoming much more oxygen based. And at some point that, that anaerobic cell engulfed the little, little protobacteria that could use aerobic metabolism and boom, life was born as we know it. So it's really interesting because mitochondria have their own DNA, which, you know, the rest of the cell anywhere else in your body does not. You just have this, the, the uh, DNA in your nucleus. And what's also interesting is that DNA comes from your mom only. So it's passed down from mother to mother, mother to, to uh, baby throughout the generations. So you can trace it back. The other thing is it doesn't really change much over time. So the DNA in your mitochondria has been, can be, you can be traced that back to generations and it would be almost the same as you kept going backwards. So Anyway, it, it, the more I started digging into this rabbit hole of mitochondria, the more fascinating it became because they're doing so much more than just producing a little energy like a factory. I mean, they are the central of the stress response because they're taking in all these different signals and all these different information from different pathways like growth factors and insulin and growth hormone and uh, nutrient availability and doing all these things to understand what the demands of the cells are. And then from there, they were setting up a huge cascade of events that cause how we basically lead to how we change, how we adapt. And they're at the forefront of all of that. So it's just, like I said, the more I've dug into it, the more fascinating it becomes because it's, it's so much more than just this little part of the cell that ATP comes out of. Yeah. No, I love that section of the article, and I'm actually going to reference it here in a minute. So the article that Joel's talking about, I'll make sure I link to it in the show notes. It's wonderfully written. Uh, and I appreciate a well-written article probably more than most because not not many people put the time in to write stuff these days, and it's really well done. And again, you just have all these different things that mitochondria do that I guess I never really thought about. You know, I just just like most, right? Oh, it's the powerhouse of the cell. Like we're all conditioned to say that, but like you said, there are like eight or nine really key health functions that they help or support that I was unaware of. So yeah, I mean they they cool. do they do basically everything because. Yeah. Really, if it, like I said, I mentioned the article, if, if you're going to have a place where all the energy is produced that the cells need to run on, then you also want to coordinate how that center, that energy gets used within that same structure, that same component. So mitochondria are, are directing basically growth, proliferation, immunity, inflammation. I mean, a really wide range of things because it, and it's funny to me because you would never think to the average person who's, who's even or people who's even educated in this field. You know, I probably wouldn't have looked at it this way, but mitochondria are feeling muscle growth in a very clear way. And yep. that's not something most people would intuitively think. So they're really providing the fuel for adaptation is the best way to look at it. And adaptation can take a lot of forms. Like I said, it can be bigger, stronger muscles that are more efficient. It can be a better metabolic function from the aerobic and it can be a better immunity. It can be higher level cognitive function or it can be a whole bunch of bad things in their direction, but they are coordinating the response to the environment as you go through life and ultimately not just providing the fuel, but providing the actual signals and, and working through the information to figure out, okay, how does this energy need to be used? And they talk to the nucleus. There's a lot of crosstalk in the nu nucleus back and forth, which I had no idea about either. They, they can send their mitochondrial DNA directly into the nucleus. Uh, they produce a lot of metabolites through what's called a TCA cycle that go and interact with the nucleus. So it's, it's this really, you know, 2 billion year old symbiotic relationship between the nucleus of the cell and the mitochondria. And together 
you know, they are what drive our entire lives. Yeah, that's super cool. Okay, so also in this article, you talked about this concept of mitochondrial quality control or MQC, which again, go read the article. It's fascinating. And I love this little uh, graphic that you put in there. But could you describe what mitochondrial quality control is and why it's so important? Yeah. And this is super fashion. I mean, I literally found myself on Amazon ordering like a hundred and something dollar book <laughs> called like exercise uh, and autophagy and chronic diseases. And <laughs> kind of as I've gone down this rabbit hole of mitochondria, you know, aside from just understanding, okay, from a metabolic performance perspective, somebody who wants to, uh, you know, perform in a capacity, how are these connected to longevity and anti-aging? And they started going down this, this whole pathway and, and what looked at like centenarians and super centenarians, you know, people that are in their hundreds. And one of the things they found was like, like they, they basically don't have a huge number more mitochondria than the average person age, but their mitochondria uh, are working more effectively. And so why? And I started going down this pathway of understanding basically, like you just mentioned, it's, it's there's, there's a bunch of different processes going on that are part of mitochondrial quality control and the exact sciences extremely complicated there's this mitochondrial uh unfolded protein response there's all the science behind it but but essentially what it comes down to is your body needs to be able to weed out poor functioning mitochondria the ones that aren't doing a very good job and that gets initiated through autophagy which has become a fairly you know discussed topic i guess in some circles fitness but if you're not familiar with it essentially autophagy is when your body goes in and, and cleans out poorly functioning parts of the cell and recycles of proteins and breaks them down. It can use them for energy. You can just recycle them for other parts of, uh, what they, what your cells need. And it turns out to be really, really important that it does that. It's like cleaning house. Basically it, it needs to go in and clean house and get rid of stuff that's not doing its job effectively. And a big part of this is, is mitochondrial quality control. So there, there are multiple mechanisms, but what it comes down to is, it's like the sheep, like the, you know, you want the wolf to, to herd a, or to, to thin the, sh- the sheep herd to, you know, get rid of the sick ones and kill the bad ones. So they don't, they don't slow the herd down. They don't reproduce and cause more problems. But basically when, when you shift your body into this autophagy, autophagy, yeah, the word is right. <laughs> That's a hard <laughs> word. into autophagy, right? Up there, you <laughs> autophagy, put that way. Uh, then you get these different mechanisms that get rid of your bad, poorly functioning mitochondria and give room for new mitochondria to replace them. And it turns out that as we age, that's a really, really important thing because just as I mentioned, because because mitochondria are so crucial, all these different functions of life, a poorly functioning, dysfunctional mitochondria creates a lot of problems. And you don't want that to accumulate. You want healthy, vibrant, uh, interconnected mitochondria. And that's kind of the other interesting thing about this is what happens is when autophagy gets upregulated, your body goes in this mode where it's like, okay, time to clean house the mitochondria that are functional and that are able to do their jobs, they fuse and they come together and they create these long networks, like I said, kind of a grid-like networks across your, your, all your cells, not your muscles. And the ones that aren't capable of doing this get selected for what's actually called mitophagy because it's the mitochondria and they get basically engulfed and, and recycled and, and, and destroyed and create room for new ones. So it's like this little game of like, oh, let's clean house. Hey, who's working? Okay, if you're if you're if you're working well, find a buddy and fuse right. up. Right. Because if you're not, you're gonna get killed. You're gonna get eaten. <laughs> and that's basically what happens uh, for the most part, in in very simple terms. But it's it's again, it's what what I found was it's hugely important because as we age, 
as most people know, you know, we, our hormones start to go down things like NAD, which is getting discussed a lot now starts to go down and we lose our mitochondrial integrity. The number of dysfunctional mitochondria go up significantly. And what happens this is really fascinating. What, what actually happens they believe is we start to get fewer numbers of copies of mitochondrial DNA in the actual mitochondria and they start to be more mutated and have deletions. So the genetic code that's running the mitochondria, which is what dictates how the proteins in the mitochondria are built, um, gets screwed up for, for lack of a better term. And that impacts their function dramatically because they're not built right. They become much less stable. They turn over much faster and you just get really poorly functioning mitochondria. And that has a wide range of, of, of impacts on our health, on our fitness, our energy levels, our immune system, our cognitive function, our cells reproduction, because again, they're, they're driving growth, they're driving reproduction and driving cellular turnover. So if the core thing that needs to be doing that isn't doing it very well, you end up with aging more or less. And they find that when this happens, the cell nucleus and the mitochondria don't talk. They don't have nearly as much communication back and forth. So your energy bands aren't as tightly matched to the demand is or supply and demand is not as tightly matched as it should be. And so you, you get this progressive metabolic decline, declines your age. You not only have fewer mitochondria, but the ones you do have are, are more spread out. They're not as fused. They're not as efficient. Uh, they take more oxygen. They create more reactive oxygen species, which can, which can overwhelm the cell if you age, if you don't have a good enough antioxidant system. And it's just this, this progressive loss of, of function. Right. And it's funny because the more I dug into this, the more I realized it, this is, you know, it's hugely important actually for muscle as you age, which is something I mentioned yeah. in the article, because, you know, there, everyone's been banging the drama and, you know, lift weights, lift weights, lift weights. You got to get stronger <laughs> for you as you age. And that's good. It's true. You're doing lift weights. I'm not disputing that, but one of the reasons that you lose muscle mass as you age is, is likely because as your metabolic function declines and your mitochondria get worse, the body doesn't want to support muscle mass anymore because it's a very expensive tissue and it needs to make sure it has the energy for, you know, just your, your organs and your survival and everything else. So by keeping a healthy metabolic function and, and lots of efficient mitochondria doing their job, you know, you're probably more likely to keep that muscle mass, whether you're lifting or not, it's more likely to at least slow that decline of a muscle mass loss. So again, you kind of, once you go down this rabbit hole, it's hard to stop. There's just so many interesting yeah. ways that this is all uh, affecting us, not just from a gym standpoint, but from a, I want to live as long as I can and stay healthy in the process standpoint. Yeah. I love it, man. One thing that I'm really focused on personally right now is like the diagnostic side of what we do, right? Because I, I think the longer you do this, the less you get caught up in emotions and subjectivity. Like you want objectives, right? You yep. want to know like clearly where do I stand and how do I improve it? So in this sense, you know, I think you're doing the same thing, right? Like you've got metabolic tests and that sort of thing that you're running. Like how can we go about testing our mitochondria or our metabolic function? What kind of pathways or avenues do we have? Yeah, I mean, look, we can kind of go down to the the simplest level to the highest level. I mean, on a very simple level, I would say, how do you feel every day? Like, how's your immune system functioning? Uh, you know, are you having to rely on caffeine and coffee and stimulants to get through the day and get through the workout? I mean, if you're constantly having to do that and you, you can't get through your day without a ton of caffeine and stimulants, it's probably a sign your metabolism and overall your mitochondria is not creating as much energy as your body needs, right? Either that or you're just, you're just throwing way too much at it. So, and kind of the simple level, if your health and your immunity and your energy levels are really good, chances are your mitochondria is probably you know doing a decent job and, and they're all right. But if you can't 
say yes to all those things and you don't have as much energy as you'd like and you are feeling tired throughout the day and and you are uh notice yourself getting sick and again immunity is more than just mitochondria but it plays a big role you know if, if all these things aren't in place then chances are your mitochondria might not be up to speed or could at least be optimized or improved a lot now if we talk to if we want to take it to the gym you know a really simple thing that people can do and, and especially since everyone is talking about zone two cardio which we can Digging to at some point, the the speed that you can go at your zone two cardio, which is below a level where lactate starts to accumulate, meaning it's a it's it's a aerobic pace. The the speed that you end up going, the power you can generate at zone during zone two cardio before lactate starts accumulating, is is, is really a decent gauge of how mitochondria is translating into actual work and power output. So, you know, if if one person can only walk three miles an hour at that conversational zone two type pace and the other person can go five miles an hour, uh, odds are very high. That person that can go five miles an hour has better mitochondria than the other person. So it's a real simple, but still pretty accurate gauge of how am I doing from a metabolic standpoint on the mitochondrial side. Um, and then you can also kind of step back at recovery, right? This is recovery is entirely driven by all the things that are happening within the mitochondria and the, that, that connection. So if you're recovering well, if you feel like you can get a hard workout and you can get through your day and you can get through the stress of life and, and feel pretty good on the other side of it, uh, well, then your mitochondria is probably helping you out quite a bit. And then um, just simple metrics that people can measure at home, resting heart rate and HRV. They correlate tremendously well because as you build your mitochondrial machine and mitochondria increases in both number and quality, heart rate variability goes up. In fact, it's one of the best correlates uh, of heart rate variability is mitochondrial function. So if you've got high mitochondria and low, or sorry, high HRV and low resting heart rate, let's say, you know, your resting heart rate's in the low fifties, you're going to likely have much better mitochondria than someone who's resting heart rate in the seventies, because it's that mitochondrial magic and power plant and, and coordination and everything that's doing, that's driving HRV up and driving resting heart rate down. So I would say without any you know, expensive lab tests, those are the places to start to give yourself a little bit of self-assessment and you can get real numbers out of, you know, the speed you can go at a conversational zone two pace and heart rate variability and heart rate as something to actually track and measure. And then you can kind of go down deeper down that hole with what we're doing, which is actual metabolic testing. And we're looking at hundreds of different biomarkers across your, your entire metabolism, understanding how your body breaks down pro carbs proteins and fats. It's looking at where you have enough vitamins for those processes to happen efficiently, where you are lacking them, which might cause them slowdowns in that process. We're looking at markers really specifically of mitochondrial function. We're looking at markers of inflammation. We're looking at environmental, uh, you know, pollutants and factors. We're looking at this really, really deep picture of a metabolic function is because that's what we want to optimize. So we have to understand all these little parts of it in, in great detail. But, you know, without that, you can, like I said, you can start, you know, fairly easily, like I mentioned, with these, these different assessments. I love it. I love it. Okay. So now let's take this to where we all want to go, which is the training side, right? Yep. If somebody wants to improve their mitochondrial health or function, what kind of things can we do either inside of the gym or outside of the gym training wise to sure. take it to the next level? Sure. I mean... First, just be active, right? Just just being active is okay. is always right a, a good thing, and it's always going to have beneficial effects. But interestingly enough, as we dug into a bunch of of data, our database from Morpheus, we we found that people that went significantly further actually didn't always get better, and sometimes they got a lot worse. So 
be active within reason, like 8,000, 12,000 steps a day is, is really all you need. You don't need to be trying to do this like 30,000, 20,000 <laughs> steps every day. It's kind of productive because it's taking up such a huge amount of energy resources that it's taking them away from the adaptive things that you want to happen. Um, but aside from that, you know, metabolic training really is the core of this. And, you know, strength training does have some research that shows in certain capacities, you can improve mitochondrial quality, you know, here and there a bit, it does improve glucose control and insulin sensitivity, which is really important. And obviously it builds muscle mass, which is also important, but from a mitochondrial standpoint, there's no question you need to do metabolic work. It is the single most powerful tool we have because essentially what it's doing is, is just like weightlifting puts stress on the muscles and uh, they grow as a response, hopefully the metabolic conditioning is putting metabolic stress on the mitochondria and energy making capacity and the cell itself. And that triggers a cascade of events, which I actually started to go down that rabbit hole in the article. And I realized I probably should save that for another day, <laughs> but there's essentially this uh, pathway you can call the AMPK or AMP kinase pathway, which people may have heard of. And essentially it's the, it's this nutrient center in the cell. So like, as I mentioned, mitochondria are shifting energy between you know, immediately breaking down energy right now to deal with stress and the catabolic side. And they also shift into that other side, which is the anabolic growth side. And it's got to know where, where you're at. It's got to know how many, how much nutrients you need, what the energy demands are, what, what all this looks like. And AMP kinase essentially is, is looking at the availability of ATP, the stress on the cell. It also, the mitochondria also looks at reactive oxygen species production, RS production, it looks at inflammation, it looks at all these signaling, signaling factors coming in. And that sets off these cascade of events via AMP kinase and a whole bunch of downstream signaling that leads to mitochondria essentially increasing uh, in biogenesis, making more of them through what's called PGC1 alpha, which is another part of this cascade. Um, and over time, if you, if you keep stressing them, the muscles and this, every tissue really throughout your body, effectively with exercise, metabolic training, you get, like I said, a magic mitochondrial network that's dense of highly, you know, high quality mitochondria that can be this little super power plant and also control, command and control that's organizing, coordinating, synchronizing everything that your body needs in terms of energy and adaptive responses. So metabolic conditioning is the, the overarching theme of, of how you do this at an effective level. Okay. So let's narrow this just a little bit because somebody's yep. going to hear that metabolic conditioning and think, man, I'm just going to smack myself with yeah. high intensity interval training and that's all I need to do. So help us understand the difference there too, because I know you've talked about this, like this idea of zone two cardio. And it's funny because now people are talking about it, even though you were talking about it like 15 years ago, yeah, you know, and like people were like slamming you like, yeah. no, this guy doesn't know anything, but <laughs> But no, it's been rebranded from cardiac output to zone two cardio, and apparently that worked. Now, so now, it now it's palatable, right? Yeah. Now it's palatable. But talk to us yeah. about the difference between kind of this zone two and the benefits of doing that versus just smashing yourself with high intensity work day in and day out. Sure. Look, the biggest thing to understand is that intensity is going to drive which muscle fibers and which tissues are recruited, right? So lower intensity, you're working more to slow twitch muscle fibers and they have more mitochondria by nature, but they're also more aerobic in nature as a result, which means they generally need more volume because they're already fairly dense with mitochondria and a small amount of exercise is not going to do a whole lot for them because it's not that demanding for them essentially is what it comes down to. 
So when we look at lower, you know, in lower intensity methods, they're, they're really driving this adaptation to improve even the slower twitch fibers. They're also stimulating what's called VEGF, which is how your, your vascular system gets developed. You might, your um, whole system that carries blood and oxygen into these cells actually gets built. So there's a lot of things that are happening at lower intensities that matter and that need to occur if you're going to develop your mitochondria and metabolic system beyond a certain level. Now, as we up the intensity, well, we get more tissues being recruited, right? We get more fast switch fibers starting to come into play. We're starting to tax the brain's mitochondrial capacity itself. We go higher and higher up. Well, the heart itself is insanely aerobic, as you can imagine, because <laughs> it can't be anaerobic or you're dead. Uh, that's called, <laughs> right. that's actually, you know what, when, when heart goes anaerobic, you know what that's called? It's a heart, heart attack, attack, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. So, so because the heart has like 5,000 mitochondria per cell, uh, it's extremely aerobic. And so you, you get some cardiovascular benefits when you do push up towards those higher ends of the heart rates that you would get in an intense and a very intense interval. So there's just different benefits across each of these intensities brackets and you need all of them. You know, you, you need to go long, slow, whether you call it cardiac output, like I did, uh, or other people do, or you call it zone two cardio, you need to put the time in and yeah. you have to do it because you, well, here's the other thing about it. Mitochondrial protein or mitochondrial self turns over very quickly. Meaning if you don't lose it, use it, you really do lose it pretty fast. Uh, and it can decrease by significant numbers within days. It's not like muscle fibers, which stick around for quite a while. Even if you don't stress them all the time, because it takes a lot of resources to build muscle fibers. It doesn't just break those down within a week, right. but on the mitochondrial level, Mitochondria are constantly turning over. They have a short half-life. They don't last super long. So you're constantly creating new ones, which means if you're not fairly consistent in stimulating that process, they will decrease. And you can see that happen very quickly. And we all know, you know, I can take a couple weeks off of lifting and come back probably just as strong, maybe stronger, who knows. <laughs> uh, but if I take two or three weeks off of doing any form of metabolic conditioning, I go back to run, I'm going to feel God awful. It's yes. going to feel terrible. And that's the reason why. So we take that factor, like you have to do it fairly frequently. That means just because of that fact alone, you can't do it all high intensity because a lot of high intensity very frequently doesn't really work. Uh, you're going to overtrain. You're going to actually cause mitochondrial dysfunction. I, I showed a really interesting paper in that article that showed how that happened, that they took this high intensity interval training program. They ramped up the, the intensity and the volume of that high intensity over a three week period. And they were measuring all kinds of different things of mitochondrial respiration, um, and performance and, and other markers of metabolism. And there was a threshold that crossed where they actually were starting to cause dysfunction in mitochondria and they were starting to see worse glucose control. And they were starting to see, you know, some negative effects of just smashing your mitochondria all the time, because they, I, I like to use strength training analogies because people get That's that. That's what we get. Yeah. Right. It's the same thing. If, if I was to just lift nonstop heavy all the time, like, yeah, you get, dude, let's go max out every day. Okay. Well, <laughs> you would probably get stronger for a little while, but then you probably wouldn't. Your joints would probably ache. Your muscles would be much more likely to be sore and potentially injured, and it wouldn't be a very good recipe for success. It's the same thing, right? Yeah. Why do you need to do more than one rep of an exercise is the same answer as why you need to do more than just high intensity when it comes to building metabolic function mitochondria. That's ultimately what it comes down to. There's, there's benefits in the variety. Love it. Okay, so let's kind of marry this with the idea of diet and nutrition. What do we need to do on that side of this to really improve our overall health and mitochondrial function? Sure. 
Yeah, that's super fascinating. I didn't go too far down that discussion article, maybe not all, and it's going to be coming at a later date. But it comes back to what I mentioned, autophagy. And this is a whole topic we really go down, but let me give you the, the 10,000 foot view is within our, our pathways of, of survival, we can kind of our, our mitochondrial pathways and just how we function. We kind of have these two different um, pathways. One essentially is growth, right? So, so when the mitochondria senses, Hey, there's, there's a bunch of growth factors coming in. There's, there's growth hormone, there's insulin, there's anabolic hormones, there's inflammation. There's, there's all these things that tell me like I need to repair and build some new tissues and I've got the energy for it. Boom. I have growth and proliferation, right? So I can go take my energy and build bigger muscles, or I'm going to go turn over a bunch of cells and make them healthier and more effective at their jobs. I'm just going to basically build, right? Yep. Um, and unfortunately that also can mean building fat. That's, that's dependent on calories. <laughs> so when, when you have calories, you, you signal a thing called mTOR you have calories and you have basically just the ability to use them. Uh, you shift in this anabolic mode and you, this is all regulated kind of the M mTOR is the master thing that regulates this and you go down this growth pathway and you grow. Now, when your cells sense something different, when the mitochondria has signals coming in, it's like, oh, there's, there's demand for ATP and we don't have a ton of nutrients. There's, there's no instant like growth factor in IGF or growth hormone signaling. Then it's like, uh Oh, <laughs> famine's coming. I don't like this. <laughs> and so it shifts into this, I would call it like a survival type mode or longevity mode, whatever you want to call it. It hunkers down. It activates different proteins in the sirtuin pathway, which people may or not have heard of. These are enzymes that, regulate gene expression. And th those genes can improve mitochondria. They can kick off autophagy. They can do all these things that make the cells just able to function on lower levels of energy. And that's a big driver of autophagy, right? So if I don't have a whole lot of energy, I want to get rid of the components of the cell that aren't doing their job. And I want to start cleaning the house and using some of those components for energy and breaking them down. So in this process, this catabolic pathway of, of autophagy driven uh, you know, cellular survival resistance, however you want to look at it, we see a lot of benefits, a huge amount of benefits. And this is where things like intermittent fasting are being discussed. And this is things where pharmacological agents like metformin are being introduced and things like rapamycin. If you go in this, this anti-aging longevity model, basically what you find in a nutshell is you really need this pathway to be activated a lot. And in animals, a wide variety of animals, the single most potent life extension tool that they have by far is caloric restriction. And that means taking an animal and eating 20 to 30% less than what the animal would eat on its own, which you could do, but it would suck. I wouldn't do it. Right? Sure. Like people aren't going to actually eat one third less of the calories that they, they actually would normally eat. But the second best tool is caloric restriction, time restricted feedings, kind of all these different are the second best tool from caloric restriction is, you know, intermittent fasted, time-restricted feeding, all of these things help shift the body into that autophagy mode to clean out the bad stuff, get rid of senescent cells and make your metabolism more efficient, make your mitochondria more efficient. What you actually see when you dig into this is once you do this, your body is creating the same amount of energy that you need off of less food. It's becoming much more efficient and needs less food and less oxygen to create the same amount of energy because they've looked at these studies where you cut an animal's intake of food by 30%, you'd think they would just be shriveled like they would just lose all their muscle but they don't actually um because it be kind of the body just becomes very very efficient at that process 
And this is where this drug called rapamycin, which essentially is uh, suppressing that mTOR growth response, becomes a very powerful longevity tool. And it's being used these days in in some people. um, And it's been used, that model has been used in animals for a long time to extend lifespan. So I don't think that most people want to do that. And the benefit, the thing is, in the laboratory, they don't take those mice and run them on treadmills and compare that to the mice who have calorie restriction, or they don't take calorie restricted mice and run them on treadmills. And the mice and the animals don't have to adapt to the stress of life. So I don't think we can take a direct one for one. Oh, this works great in animals and mice aside from us. So we should just cut our calories back by 30% and take rapamycin. <laughs> Not saying that won't work, but I think that would suck uh, <laughs> because it, it really wouldn't leave the quality of life you probably want. So, but Point being, we can learn a lot from these models, which basically tell us like it's it's good to not be trying to shovel calories in yourself and do nothing but stimulate growth. That um, exercise are the reason that's so powerful is because it does stimulate autophagy extremely well because you are putting the body under metabolic stress, and that is having some similar effects of triggering that autophag- autophagic response to get the body to go down this pathway. But that also means you have to suppress growth a bit by avoiding calories. Uh, if you want to really amplify this. Now, again, step one is just do the training. And then step two is you can layer in these metabolic tools we have like intermittent right. fasting and, you know, these sorts of strategies. Um, and that is an important part of what we talk about at some point, but the other part of this, I would say that that's kind of the big picture. The other part is just, making sure that your body gets all the nutrients that you need for your metabolism and mitochondria to function effectively, which is probably what you're going for in the beginning. Yeah. Right. I uh, get that. But, yeah. but that's what you, you, you know, that is the other part of it is your body needs nutrients, vitamins, minerals, and, and a bunch of cofactors and things to break the foods down. You have very efficiently and to then bring, turn that process into energy and use that energy throughout the body. So you need to make sure that you don't have glaring deficiencies of vitamins and minerals and and different things in the body that it relies on. Because if you have deficiencies, it'll pull from somewhere else and it'll probably slow down the process as a whole and your metabolism just doesn't run as well. So we want to support really good insulin sensitivity. We want to support uh, managed inflammation. Like you want inflammation, it's good, it's valuable, but you can't let it get out of control. And that's part of the process. You know, you need things to be functioning at a high level. And that means a really high quality diet with good high quality foods that incorporate all the nutrients you need becomes really valuable, which is um, the other you know key piece of this. It's not, it's, it's timing. So, right. Like that's where intermittent fasting, but it's also when you do eat, it needs to be a diverse food set that has all the vitamins and minerals that you need. And that's difficult to do these days because our food is prepackaged processed right. crap for, right. Uh, you know, a majority of it, unfortunately. So it's, it's very difficult, but not impossible. I would say to get the vast majority of those things through food. I just, in my experience of, especially doing more and more metabolic testing, almost nobody is, is getting them all. Like they're all, everyone's deficient and lacking in, in something. And again, it's not that your body can't function like that. Obviously it can, but it's not functioning optimally. And that's a difference. Sure. Uh, I'm interested because, you know, I have dabbled and read a handful of books and like the longevity, uh, side of things. So I'm familiar with some of the, the drugs you're talking about and CR, calic, calor, uh, well, that was yep. my turn to do that, caloric yeah. restriction. Um, but the, the intermittent fasting stuff is interesting. And I feel like everybody that talks about that is selling you their system. Have you found uh, a certain like gold standard as far as what time people should be restricting calories for? Or is it just kind of like a 
got to figure it out for yourself kind of thing. Well, there's two different schools of thought and there's kind of, there's, there's actually quite a bit of research down this pathway now and they, they categorize intermittent fasting by different, um, different ways of looking at it. They, you, you can consider time. Like now they're kind of talking about, okay, time restricted feeding just means, you know, eating a normal amount of calories, but restricting that to a certain number of hours per day. Right. So there's, sure. there's 16, eight or 17, seven or whatever. And, you know, that would be called just time restricted feeding. I mean, you're just taking your normal food and you're shoving it into a smaller window. Right. That's kind of one way to look at it. people traditionally kind of call it intermittent fasting, but maybe that's not really intermittent fasting. Maybe that's just eating your calories from a certain window. Um, and then you can kind of look back, look beyond that. And now the research is calling intermittent fasting more like a one to two day fast periodically uh, throughout, you know, some, maybe, maybe it's one weekend a month or it's one day every two weeks or whatever. They'd consider that more of like intermittent fasting, quote unquote. And then you've got periodic fasting where people go like a week, like seven days. And uh, some of the more hardcore people and like just water or, or super low calories. That's and, you know, look, there's a whole discussion we have. I personally think if you really want to go down that rabbit hole, because you're convinced that's going to add, you know, some longevity to your life and health span, then, then more power to you. I think the better answer is, is exercise. It's probably doing 90% of the work and then layering in the stuff is probably the additional 10% or maybe it's 80, 20. Uh, I don't know. But if you're, if you're consistently exercising and you're getting in metabolic work and you developed mitochondrial machine and you're getting enough sleep and you're managing lifestyle and you're eating just well in general, I think those things have some benefit probably, but it's fairly minimal. Now, sure. if you're overweight, you don't like doing metabolic training, you're not going to get in the gym, <laughs> then these tools become essential, you know, intermittent fasting, whatever form you want to take it or, or time restricted feeding become the only tools you have because you're not training. And, and that's right. where a lot of these longevity discussions are coming into play is the general public, you know, who, who doesn't have four hours a day or four hours a week to put into the gym and train. They're just looking for ways to increase lifespan without actually getting in the gym. And so these discussions are wrap up, take myofromycin and do intermittent fasting and time restricted feeding. Okay. Well, just get your ass in the gym and develop metabolic <laughs> pathways and build mitochondria and, and stimulate autophagy that way. So Right. Um, again, those, those things can all be valuable, but back to the original question, I think most of the research shows like, you know, 16 to eights, probably like 16 hours of fasting a day. If you're going to do it from a daily standpoint, it's probably reasonable. You know, you can start lower than that. I, I personally, just because I like eating this way and I find that I can just manage my calories more effectively, somewhere between a 16 hour, you know, of, of not feeding and an, an eight hour of feeding or 17, seven. Um, sometimes I go up to, to 19 hours, but you know, for the most part, I'm like 16 or 17 hours a day where I don't eat. And again, how much of a difference that's making on top of my better work. I, I, you know, you can't really quantify that, but I also, I do believe now this is an interesting discussion because there's been a debate in bodybuilding circles for, I don't know, years of whether or not fasted cardio does anything right. The, right. the traditional like bodybuilder idea was that fasted cardio is better because your body is going to burn more fat during that cardio. So you should do all your cardio fasting. And then research kind of came along and said, no, 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 it's calories in calories out. Like it really doesn't matter if you do it fast. It is all things being equal. You eat the same amount of calories. It's not gonna make a difference. And I would say probably the research one, like you, it probably does not make a huge difference from just a fear weight loss standpoint, right? If you eat the same amount of calories in a day and you do the same amount of work, it's probably not, much different at all if you do fasted cardio or not. However, 
I do think, and I have seen, and there is literature to support that if you are adding a little bit of metabolic stress in a, in a nutrient deprived state, you're probably upregulating those survival pathways and autophagy a little mm. bit more than if you did them in a very calorically fed state, because you're, That's you're already in a bit of a low nutrient state. You already have low insulin and IGF and growth hormone. You're already kind of in that state where the cells like, Hmm, haven't had any nutrients for a while. And then you start adding some metabolic stress in the equation. I do think it probably ups the ante a bit. Maybe it reduces the amount of exercise you need to have the effect. Maybe it's a bit synergistic. I've never seen a paper that actually compared all this. Um, but I do personally think there's value in being a bit deprived from a caloric standpoint and doing some metabolic work. Now, I'm not saying go smash yourself with high intensity. if not <laughs> eating for two days. Please don't do that. That's stupid. But Personally, I do fasted cardio consistently at lower intensities for higher volumes. I do my zone two, if you want to call it that, um, in the mornings without eating. And then I don't eat for a few hours afterwards. And it's part of just my habit, my routine that I've gotten into over the years. And I do think there are benefits to doing that. So again, I'm not saying everyone needs to do it that way. And I, and I certainly take in carbs before I do anything higher intensity. Um, although you could for a short period of time do higher intensity work, it just have to be managed. Yes. And that's a strategy you can certainly do. It's called train low. Um, but um, again, I think there's there's always this interplay between nutrition and exercise, and there's a lot to consider depending on what your goals are. I love it. Okay, so last but not least, we've talked uh, a little bit about the supplement line and routine. And just just talk to me about how that process works because, Again, to use your word, it's fascinating. Uh, and you and I have talked about this probably three or four times now. But talk to me about that process. Like if somebody wanted to get started with this, they're interested in really diving in and figuring out their metabolic function and what supplements they need to take. Talk to me or walk me through that process, how it would look from the user side. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely different than going to Amazon and ordering whatever someone told you to order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that way. Yes. Right. Which is which is mostly what happens. Like a trainer tells a client, go buy this. And so then the trainer looks on Amazon or, or goes to whatever company the trainer said and then buys it. But the problem with that approach is how do you really know that's what you need? You know, how yes. do you know what the dosage that you need is? You're you're just guessing. I mean, let's let's be honest. You're you're just supplement approach now is very shotgun based. It's like, okay, let's just try these three things and hope they work. But you often don't even have a way to measure if they do work, right? There's a lot of placebo in supplements and it's a billion dollar industry because of that. And I and the, the two things I learned before I sorry for answering your question, because it, it's relevant. When, when I was working at ProBody back in college, there was, there was one really fascinating thing. You would give, like some new product would come out and it'd be the, oh, this is the talk of you know, the supplement industry. And <laughs> back in there's like Tribulus Terrestis and these yes. very early androgen, or the very early like Androstein, like the first pro-hormone precursors. And people would just, we were kind of the forefront in Seattle of like the newest, cool stuff. We weren't like GNC. We actually, you know, we, we were up to date and we had the newest supplements. And again, this is back where you just order everything online. So my point is when people would come in, they would all like gravitate to everyone want the new thing, like this, this new thing. I mean, literally this wasn't too far beyond creatine coming out. Like <laughs> people want the new thing. And so we'd sell hundreds of people, whatever this new hot product was. And then these people came in the gym all the time or came in the stuff and store all the time because gold gym is next door. And so they go to the gym, they come over, they talk and we made smoothies back then. Like we were way ahead yes. of our time. So people would come in, they'd, they'd get a smoothie and they'd talk to you. And 
some people would take the new thing and be like, oh my God, like my workouts are amazing. Like I've gained five pounds, bro. Like this is the best shit ever. <laughs> and then other people come in and be like, that shit does nothing. Like that was a waste <laughs> of money. I, I felt absolutely nothing. Right. So like this would happen over and over again. Like you can insert any like popular supplement that came through the store in the two plus years I worked there. And this happened all the time. There was almost nothing where everybody would come in and be like, man, that stuff was great. I want more. Like it just didn't happen. Some stuff people were like, that was incredible. I want, I want as much as I can get. And then some people like, eh, wasted money. So my point is a, like people respond differently to supplements. They really do. I mean, think about pharmaceutical agents. Like people respond very different to drugs. Some people see amazing effects. Some people have nothing but side effects. And we even see the same thing in, in anabolic steroids. If you want to go down that path, like you see some people take anabolic steroids and they look like Hercules and pro bodybuilders. And you see some people and look, take anabolic steroids and they look like one giant zit ready to pop. And they don't really get much strength. They just look terrible because they have androgen receptors are very differently distributed and they have different affinities for these binding agents. And there's just lots of reasons why you're met. Not actually, you know what? That comes down to metabolism, right? Different metabolisms will metabolize different things differently. So yep. if you were gifted with a metabolism that takes androgens and turns them into muscle, uh, then you're in luck. If you weren't, then you get a lot of side effects and, and not a lot of benefit from a physique standpoint. But my point is supplements need to be individualized because we're all different and it's our own unique metabolism that dictates how we respond to those things. So that was one of my biggest lessons I learned working at ProBody was the same supplement given to two people can have very different effect, effects. And yep. the answer now, I, I know why that is. Now that I've seen the testing, I understand that process and why it's so different. The second thing I learned was the supplement industry does not care about results. They care about selling products. And there's two things that happen. The, the first is they take a supplement that's got some science behind it, and then they cut the dose down to like a fraction of that because it's expensive to produce that much. <laughs> and they stick as many of those different ingredients on the label as possible a lot of times. So they'll take 10 different supplements that you probably need, you know, a gram or more or 300 milligrams, 500 milligrams. And they'll give you like 10 milligrams or, or, you know, just a fraction of what actually has been shown to be beneficial, but they'll put 10 in these ingredients in the label. Like, man, this stuff's really good. It's got all these things in it. Yeah. So they will give you dosages that are worthless and they will charge you, you know, a, a lower price for that because if they put the actual amount of ingredient and they use high quality suppliers, you wouldn't pay for it. Or the average person walking in GNC, I should say, wouldn't want to pay for it because it'd be much more expensive. So you get companies like Designs for Health and Douglas Labs and Pure Caps and Thorne. These are really, really good companies that I've worked with over the years and, and used myself. But if you compare them to what you can get on Amazon or what you can get into walking a supplement store, they're double or triple the price. And the average yep. consumer is like, holy shit, that's expensive. Yeah. Yes, it's expensive because that's what it takes <laughs> to get good, high quality ingredients into the capsules or into the powder. These supplements, not all of them are like that. It's plain that are cheaper. But really good stuff is expensive to manufacture and the ingredient quality that's high, that's not coming from China and low quality is, is different than what you're getting in an Amazon or Kirkland Signature or these lower end brands. They're just, they're just meant to be lower end products or lower end audience. But I just don't think that is worth it most time. And if you look at a lot of research around vitamins, like a lot of research shows they don't do much. And that's probably why, because most people are taking crap. Um, and there's the other thing is there's just no quality control, to be honest, in, in yeah. a lot of this industry. It's, it's funny. So when I was working again, not to go down the story forever, but when I was working at a nutrition store, uh, there was this guy who made a product called raw grow and raw grow was ahead of its time in that back when, 
we were when I was there, like the core proteins we sold were like two pound tubs, like designer whey, if anyone remembers that. And it was like yeah. 50 bucks or $45 for two pounds of whey protein. And that yeah. was just, it was a monumentally expensive compared to what we have now. So this guy out of Idaho made raw grow and he took five different protein blends and he threw them in a bag and he charged 25 bucks. So 25 bucks for five pounds. It was like the first bulk protein that I ever saw. And I think was on the market. Yeah. And he absolutely crushed it. And here's the funny thing. It tasted like sawdust. Like I'm not, <laughs> and it mixed even worse than sawdust would, it mix, yeah. would mix if you ever try to mix sawdust. It was so chalky and yeah. clumpy and God awful. And people bought it by the dozen because it yeah. was 25 bucks for five pounds of protein. I mean, it was this whole new revolution. Like instead of spending 40 or 50 bucks for two, I'm spending 25 bucks for five, right? Right. So we sold out of raw grow all the time. But here's the funny thing. He was a really eccentric guy. He would show up in a limousine and like he would basically rent a limo in Idaho and fill his limousine full of raw grow and drive it over because that was cheaper than shipping it. Uh, <laughs> but one of the guys in the store went over to his, his factory to see the raw grow factory. And it was like cement mixtures in his garage. Like, no joke. He would just take these different bags of, of these different types of protein, shove them into a cement mixer, and then <laughs> turn the cement mixer down and load up these bags and seal them <laughs> in <Wow>. his garage. <laughs> that was literally what was driving Ragro was cement mixers in a garage. Like, <laughs> like the, and I can't tell you how much the quality's changed over the years of different products, but it's like that shit still happens. So my point is like you kind of have this problem that i mean you have the main problem is most ingredients that you're getting in the high level that could have a real impact are watered down or the dosage is is too low to really have an effect for most people two we're not all the same so that's that one ingredient that one supplement might actually be really good for you or it might not do anything if you're not deficient in it or it's not able to raise things beyond a physiological dose it's not really going to do anything for you um, and then three assuming you get a good quality nutrient that you need and you get the right dosage of it you have to make sure that where you're buying it from is actually delivering that and telling you or you know giving you in the label what's on the label so right i i, I say this just be, before i go to the process just because there's a lot to to you know look at in the way that most people are doing it versus what we're doing right so yep. um, what we do is someone says yes i want precision metabolics i want to optimize uh, the nutritional side of things and I want this nutritional support the first thing we do is get send them out a test kit and this is a metabolic test by a company called Genova Diagnostics. They're used in the functional medicine space for a long time. They have lots of tests. Um, and this test basically requires morning urine sample and a little blood prick from your finger onto a, a little tab. So you can do it at home, which is really nice. We were going with a blood test version that required a blood draw. It had a few more benefits, but honestly, just the hassle of going through that process wasn't worth it. It didn't provide a significant difference in the results. But anyway, so you get the test. You get up in the morning, you get your samples, you put on ice, you ship it back to the lab. Lab takes 10 to 12 days, processes it all out, sends you a report and sends us a report that analyzes essentially all your nutrients, how your body's breaking down these different things, gives you a ranking of zero to 10 for need for support in different areas like mitochondrial function, uh, inflammation and metabolic stress. It looks at basically where you need the most help. And then also makes recommendations in the report itself for different supplement dosages and amounts. 
and also gives you a list of vitamins and our vegetables and fruits and foods you can eat to increase those naturally, which is also valuable. And then once we've got the results, we schedule a call with, with my team, uh, doctor to go over the results with you, answer your questions. And we generally use their recommendations as a base that we tweak and make adjustments to as necessary. And then we also customize the formulation based on what someone's goal is. So we have, you know, uh, boosters added for longevity, like, you know, people want NMM or these NR, these, these nutrient longevity, or these longevity nutrients, we can add those in. If there's specific supplements they're already using that they think they've seen great benefit from, we can add those in. We can really customize and tweak and build anything. If you want to go down the nootropic rabbit hole, we can add in cognitive enhancers. We can take this core supplement that's addressing everything you need and we can add in any little combinations of things that you want and the doses that we know are going to be effective and essentially create, again, your own custom formulation. Once that's done, it goes into manufacturing. We are actually encapsulating, like taking the powder, they compound it, they formulate it, and then they encapsulate it in bottles. So I've seen other companies out there where they're just kind of like taking, oh, you need vitamin C? Cool, here's vitamin C. Oh, you need some B? Okay, here's some B. And they make a little packet, they put your name on it. We're not doing that. We're not just taking vitamins and putting in a packet that's got your name on it. We are formulating your entire supplement from scratch and putting it in the bottle for you. We even put your name on the bottle, which is cool. Um, and then and then we ship that out to you. So we manufacture in six months supplies. Uh, it's possible to do shorter, but it becomes very cost prohibitive to do a single supplement for like a month, right? So we do sure. six months supplies, but you don't have to pay for that all front. We ship it out to you monthly over those six months. At the end of that six months, you know, I think the most valuable thing to do is retest and see how you've changed. You know, we want to show you that it actually worked. And as long as you, you know, did what you're supposed to do, follow the recommendations and, and you know, start incorporating some of the foods and those things that can also help, uh, you will see improvements. And I've, I've seen improvements. And then from there, we can reformulate, we can make changes, or we can just keep going, whatever you want to do. You don't have to retest every six months, but I think if you really want to see the maximum benefit, you want to see how your body's changed, you know, that's what you want to do. The other thing is people expect supplements to change their physiology overnight. It doesn't right. work that way. It's not like tra training doesn't work that way. Nothing. Even if you were to start high dose of TRT tomorrow, it'd take you three to four weeks for things to really feel dramatically different. And there's a time like the, the doesn't happen where I take a supplement and three days later, like I'm magically cured. No, like it takes weeks and months, your metabolism to turn things over. And if you've gone one direction for years on end, like you don't reverse that in three weeks of taking a supplement. So, you know, that's why, again, if you're going to take something, give it time to actually see if it's doing anything. And so we recommend six months as the starting point to really get the most out of it and start to have an effect, you know, a big effect on your metabolic function. Not say so you won't feel it or see a difference before then, but you want to basically, you know, commit to taking something for a long enough time to get the most out of it and make sure that's doing what it needs to. So that's, that's the, the basic process overview. Like I said, we, we eliminate the need for you to have to go research what to take. We're, we're, we're doing that for you through your metabolic testing. We guarantee you that what we say is the label is actually in the bottle. Um, and because you are getting the right dosages and the right ingredients and the right amounts, you know, you're, you're saving yourself the money of, of throwing down the drain on products that aren't doing that. And you're also saving yourself the hassle of, of having to order four five, six, eight products from different companies. If you were to synthesize all yourself. Um, and again, our prices are pretty comparable to what you would pay. You know, if you were going to go to Douglas labs or Thorne or, you know, any of these, these companies are expensive for a reason because they have good yeah. quality products and you would pay about the same to take all our products and, and, spec them out that way versus what we're doing, but we eliminate the hassle of having to 
figure out the dosages and reorder five different things all the time or put them all on auto ship and figure out, you know, have one bottle that's got half thing left. Dude, that's, that's honestly the biggest thing. Like I've worked with, you know, two or three functional med people over the years for different things that I've wanted to kind of zone in on. And like, that's always like the biggest thing is like, even if you get started doing it the right way and you're like, oh man, okay, I need these seven supplements and you order all those. Well, like three weeks later, you're out of one, but you've got like a three month supply of the other. So eventually it's like just attrition, right? At the end, you're like, okay, now I'm not taking any of it because I can't coordinate when I need to buy stuff and all that. It's a pain in the ass. Exactly. And like I said, that's that's the biggest thing I found when I I was doing this way back when with, with the pharmacist that was compounding stuff too and ordering different supplements is like, even pro athletes whose careers depended on it, like they're like, man, I, I ran out of this one. Like I forgot to get more. Like, yeah, it, you just, it's a, it's a headache. Like it's a hassle man. It's like the ones that actually did the longest, they just handed it off to their, their either their chefs or their personal assistants or whoever. And that person managed it for them. Yeah. That's <laughs> completely impractical for, for 99% of the population. So it is a massive time. I mean, even me, like I, you know, before I start going down this road, like I opened my supplement cabinet and I'd have, 15 to 20 things in different categories. And yeah. I would start going through bottles sometimes like, wait, that's been out for like a year. I never replaced that one. Like you just, <laughs> you, you run out or, you know, you, you forget to reorder in general. And then it just kind of, you get off track and then you're the only alternative now is to put everything on auto ship. And then you just end up with dosages that are all over the place. And you end up with bottles that are half full and other bottles that are totally full and other bottles are almost empty. Like yeah. it's a nightmare. So assuming you even, figured out exactly what you needed to the level of precision we are, it is still a nightmare to not, uh, to have to do that. And so, you know, I think we're solving multiple problems with, with this one product and it's, it's designed for people who, again, really want to get the most out of their training. And and that's the one thing I would say is that nutritional and nutritional support is what allows you to get the most out of your training because it supports that training. It's supporting energy production for the training and supporting energy production for the adaptive responses and those patterns we talked about it's 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 not a replacement like no supplement is a replacement for good eating or healthy lifestyle it is a supplement on top of that that makes it even better and it can help make up for some of the the things that you are going to lack through your diet naturally and it can help compensate for some of the stress you're going to throw yourself under that you might not be able to control and it is an enhancement right it's not a it's not meant to be a, a pill in a bottle that means you don't have to work out or manage your life or sleep and you're still to your results. You're not, you still have to manage your lifestyle. It's, it's a mitigation strategy and it's a way to enhance those other things you're doing and allow you to get the most out of them possible. I love it. Well, Joel, man, this has been awesome. Like so many great topics covered. Where can my listeners find out more about you, the supplement company, all that stuff. Yeah. Eight weeks out, just number eight weeks out.com is the place to go. Uh, we'll have all the information about how to get Precision Metabolics, which is the name of the new brand. And actually that the product itself is called Building Blocks with an X because it sounds cool. It looks cool. <laughs> um, and everything will be eight weeks out. And I will actually eventually transition. I do have, I bought the domain precisionmetabolics.com with an X. So that will ultimately be where Precision Metabolics lives once we build out the entire website. But this first run, we're going to take a fairly small number of people, test out the entire process, work all the kinks out and and run uh, essentially people through this to begin with here shortly. And then probably January or so we'll, we'll have the new site up and we'll really go full speed. And two, if you're, if you're a coach or a trainer, and this is something that you want to recommend to your clients, people you train or your gym, you want to carry the, or have the ability to to offer this to your, to your gym members. We're definitely going to do that because I think ultimately the people that are already investing in their health and wellness by hiring a trainer, going to a gym, 
you know, working with somebody, these are the people who are committed to getting the most out of that training. And we're going to be able to help the coaches and gyms offer that. So we'll have a partnership program coming up the new year and a way for you to offer this to your clients. And the beautiful part about it is you don't have to deal with inventory. And that's one of the headaches with gyms and supplements is you got to order yep. a lot of bottles of product. You got to keep them stocked all the time and you're spending all your profits, just putting more bottles on the shelves. So this completely eliminates the need for that because there is no inventory. We're making each batch from scratch. So if you're our coach, look for that. Uh, you can go eight weeks out, join my email list. Um, and you will get more details about that. And I've had a few coaches ask me, Hey, can I just send you some clients and, and get this brief for myself because I want it. <laughs> uh, and, and the answer is, yeah, I think we'll have some sort of a program like that for, if you refer a certain number of people to us, uh, we will give you a free one. So we appreciate referrals and we'll have that sort of system set up as well. I love it, man. Well, Joel, again, this has been great. And thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be on another time and break my own record, but that, uh, that's it's right. always great to talk to you. <laughs> And uh, I'm sure we'll do it again one of these days. Yes, sir. All right, my friend. That does it for this week's episode with Joel Jameson. Really hope you enjoyed it. Joel is such a fascinating guy. We have the best talks. You know, and I was kind of joking around about the I don't like talking to people on the phone thing. But I really don't like talking to people on the phone. But I love talking to Joel. We have the best conversations. The guy is always into something. And so when he called me a couple weeks ago and was just going on and on about mitochondria and you know metabolic optimization and all the things we talked about in this show, I was like, man, we've got to talk more about this because number one, I'm fascinated by it. And number two, we need to hear more about it. Joel's done such a great job of being a proponent for the aerobic system, for focusing on recovery, for not smashing yourself with your workouts. So it's been really cool to watch his evolution over the years. And man, I'm telling you, you start taking this advice, whether it's, you know, doing some of the testing, being better with your conditioning workouts, starting to fuel your body more efficiently, finding the right supplements for you, man, it can make such an impact, hopefully on longevity, right? You know, it's like still to be determined how long we live, but I can tell you for a fact, if you're taking care of your body, you're going to live a much healthier life and your quality of life is going to be so much better. So that does it for me. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me one of two small favors. Number one, if you're not subscribed to the show, do that right now today. It takes two seconds. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, the Amazon store, wherever you consume podcasts, go there right now and hit the subscribe button. If you already subscribed, do me one other favor. Instead of subscribing, because you've already done that, take two to three seconds out of your day and share this with somebody who needs to hear it. It could be another trainer or coach. It could be a family member or a loved one, somebody that you want to live a longer, happier, and healthier life because Joel does a fantastic job in this episode. Yeah, there's paid options in there, but man, there's lots of low-level free things that you can do to start monitoring your fitness, monitoring your wellness. And so regardless of the person that you're sharing this with, there's something actionable in this show that they can take and apply right away. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.